Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, Benji and myself are going to dig into what is intimacy. Because a lot of people conflate intimacy with, I don't know, sex, with all sorts of other actions, but they fail to realize that intimacy is the result. It's not the process. So we're looking at what you can do if you're married, what you can do if you're single to find intimacy, create intimacy within yourself and within relationships. So let's get into it because this is like, how do you feed your soul? It's a very important episode. How do you feed your soul the nutrients it wants? Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Got Benjamin here and Benjamin. And today we're going to talk about intimacy. Uh, because we talk about sexual intimacy a lot, obviously. Great topic. Mm-hmm. Great thing to practice when you mm-hmm. can. But there's a whole lot more to intimacy than sex. And actually, sex in our modern world is often not intimate whatsoever because intimacy is like a closeness of hearts, essentially, right? And there's mm-hmm. different ways of kind of getting to that point. Sex is a means to the ultimate end, which is intimacy. So, which is crazy, right? If you think about that, most people leave out the end. So sex has no purpose. It's just, you know, physical act, which makes it a body thing, devoid of spirit and mind and heart. But actually it's, it's meant to be a vessel to experience intimacy now, but we want to, we want to talk about as dudes, because he's a dude, I'm a dude, let the record show. But also we want to talk about like as husbands and how we express our intimacy in different ways other than sex with our wives. But also we want to talk to you who are single because this is like an issue. It's for sure an issue that what do you do if you need physical intimacy and you're not in a relationship? What do you do? So we want to get into these things. So Benji, let's go to you. Like what, yeah. what do you know your love language? Like how do you experience love and intimacy? Well, it's interesting. It will definitely be touch, physical affection. <laughs> And uh, words of affirmation. And anyways, if you know my wife at all, it's like the bottom of her list, <laughs> those two, <laughs> which I'm not complaining. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. Sure. And I think, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but it's like every time I've asked my wife what her love language is, she says all of them equally. So just work hard, you know? So that's, <laughs> that's where I'm left with. <laughs> so I, I can, I have to work hard basically. But okay. So you, you like to be touched. All the time. Just touch me and I'll love you. Like a rub on the back from your wife is good no, enough? No, yeah. from anyone. From literally anyone. <laughs> so you're a cat, basically. Yeah, rub on the back, I, you know, a hug, whatever. But are you like a cat where you can kind of get your fill and then you just walk off and ignore somebody like once you're filled up or do you just need constant, continual I, touch? Well, here's the thing. I am like that. I am always touching people if you're with me, you know, if it's appropriate and we have somewhat of a relationship, I will just like hit you on the arm or grab you and you're whatever. Or let's just like massage your back for a little bit or give you a rub or something like that. But I've changed, honestly. I've honestly changed a lot in a good way because I came into my marriage with a very, very, I would say, honestly, a skewed understanding of what intimacy is. And coming out of, not coming out of the marriage, but now <laughs> I feel that my sense of intimacy is more genuine and grounded and real and long-term. Okay. But what does that mean? That you've biologically change and you don't need touch as much or you just know how to get it in a healthier way or like what does that mean you've changed well i think like we've been talking about it's like i i realize that intimacy is something that is not a cookie cutter like black and white which is what i understood it to be you know i grew up in a 
an American culture where watching Hollywood movies and I had very strong assumptions that women are this way and men are this way. And women like being touched and held and they love this and that. And they like being told, I love you every day and et cetera, et cetera. And being in a real relationship, you realize that it's not as as much of a fantasy as that portrayal of, of intimacy, but it's really more of the, for me now, it's really more of the everyday things, the everyday conversations, just even sitting down after breakfast for an hour and just talking, right? Maybe even massaging her feet or just putting my feet on her lap, even though she doesn't like it, I do it anyways. You know, <laughs> taking my socks off and putting my feet on her lap during dinner or whatever. I don't think anybody sort of, wants that. I mean, whatever. I don't care. She, <laughs> she <laughs> yeah, we, we have our, our ways. And it's just nice to have that kind of level of intimacy as opposed to the concept I have, which is like going outside and holding hands all the time and saying, I love you. And every time you leave the house, you have to say, give you, you have to, you have to give, give a kiss and a hug. Otherwise you're not a good couple and all that sort of thing, you know? Um, sure. It was really honestly hard to go from there to just being okay with where we are now. But I mean, let's get specific. I want to, because you are a guy that really needs touch. So like what happens when you're deprived of this? Like, well, how do you meet your needs? How, how do you feel full? What if you're starving for physical affection? Well, I think people generally, that's a... Uh, no, I'm a talking new... about you, you no, specifically, no. not people yeah, yeah. generally. I mean, when I was a teenager, which is typical, I really had strong ideas of what I wanted to, what kind of relationship I wanted. And I would, I mean, bottom line is right now, I, I'm very physical with my kids and with my wife. She's changed, by the way. <laughs> She's become more accepting of my ways and, and my yeah needs and desires. So be very physical with my kids, you know, every morning or evening, give them hugs throughout the day, smack them around, play with them, throw them in the air, that sort of thing. You know, not my wife. I don't do that to her. Actually, sometimes I do. But like a dude, dude, like, your wife the like my wife does like a did jujitsu, jujitsu when she was in, in school in Japan. And that's like, it's fun to do that. Like in the kitchen, just like, let's, let's do a round of this. And, you know, she's pretty good for someone that's literally half my weight, <laughs> half my size. So, you know, that sort of thing, just finding ways to, to be intimate because reality is we're busy. We have kids. So we kind of just have to find ways or I have to find ways to just feel that, that need to have affection. Yeah. Mm. With brothers, okay. people in my life. I go to my good friend's house sometimes. And it's nice to just like sit down with brothers and just like sit next to each other and, and cuddle up and put my arm around him and give him a hug or whatever. Mm-hmm. That kind of intimacy is, is fun for me too. Well, that's what I wanted to get into. I guess we can kind of hop around, but like for single people, right? They, especially if you're in a religious community or if you have strong beliefs about what you want, you want to get married to one person and you don't want to date or this kind of stuff. Like, these people are in a community in droves. So in their teens and 20s, when they're not in a relationship, then what's like a healthy way of them procuring that that need for touch? Like, how mm-hmm. do you go about doing that? Because I, I would say most guys don't know how to mm-hmm. healthily touch each other. They just like stay clear of it or they do handshakes and pretend like that's that's good enough. But like hugging is a little bit dicey, uh, depending on who you're hanging out with, right? I've definitely hugged some guys that it felt like they were a skeleton. <laughs> they were like, they were not warm at all. They were just stiff, dead corpses when I hugged them because they didn't know what to do. So then what what do you do if you're not like an outgoing person or you don't, like you're a little bit more confident. You'd go maybe and, and grab somebody, but how can somebody get physical affection? Well, that's the thing is I think the word intimacy is a bit slippery because to me, it's more about connection. I'm, I'm trying to speak to people who are like my wife. 
who never her whole life really desired to be physically intimate with people. It's not her fault. It's just how she was raised. It's how her parents and grandparents were raised. And some cultures are like that. Actually, a lot of cultures are like that. So for her, it's very foreign concept. It's completely foreign. And for a lot of people, I know it is the idea of, of intimacy being a part of your daily life or something that we innately need. But I think connection from what I've learned through my marriage, especially is that it's more about connection, connection to people. And the thing that porn has managed to do very well is temporarily fill that need for people to have connection very temporarily, if, if not at all, with a, a very temporary kind of support or crutch or something to let them feel a little bit of comfort or escapism to something that feels a little friendly and familiar. But the reality is that porn is nothing to do with, like you were saying in the, in the intro earlier, is nothing to do with intimacy at all. It has nothing to do with sex even. If you think about sex as connection, sex is intimate connection with a human being, it is absolutely nothing to do with sex. It is just pixels. It is just matter. It's just things on a screen. So in that sense, I think that, yeah, intimacy and connection is something every human being, whether it's a form of intimacy, is something that every person needs absolutely innately. And from my experience working with especially young men and women who are preparing for marriage, I think that's that connection, that desire for connection is really worth fighting for. And it's really worth going after, whether it's you want to be in a relationship or want to go through a matching process or get married. I think that's something that we, we should follow. I did when I was a teenager, you know, 16, 17, eight years old. I was I got really serious about preparing for marriage. And I was like, you know, I really want to do this. I want to get married. And I know that's something that not a lot of people do, but I really wanted that connection. But the difference is I did not have an addiction to porn. I did not have a kind of a messed up, skewed mentality towards women. And I, of course, I wasn't perfect. I was very immature, <laughs> as my wife can tell you. But I had start, I reached a certain level of maturity and responsibility in my community, in my faith, in my church, certain responsibilities as, the, as a youth pastor. I felt like I'm in a place where I can be in a healthy relationship and work on that because I want to have that level of connection, intimacy with someone. What I would say to people who are single is like, follow that. You know, if you're, if you're young, even 16, 17, 18 years old, there are things you can do to get you on the path to creating that relationship that you want, that connection, that intimacy that you want. And it just starts with making decision and taking the daily steps and actions to be that person you want to be. Yeah. So I wouldn't shy away from just pursuing, pursuing marriage, pursuing a relationship, honestly, even if you're young. I think there's a certain point there's a certain age where you reach or a certain point of maturity where it's kind of like, especially if you have porn, this is what I I think is really important, especially if you have porn as a constant crutch to lean on, then real relationship becomes less and less appealing because you can get the instant connection, quote unquote, connection from porn without the need to go through the efforts of creating a relationship, a lasting relationship. And I've talked to countless guys who are in their late 20s, 30s. When I asked them, like, do you want to be married? Do you want to be in a relationship? And it's like, no, not really. Like, my gosh, isn't that a, a, to me, it's really unfortunate, you know, that people are going through that. And if I really dig into it, I realize, oh, wow, he has an ongoing relationship with porn. He has this crutch that he's always going back to and which is fueling his lack of desire to be in an actual relationship. And this goes for men and women. Anyways, there are a lot of reasons that people don't pursue real intimacy, but uh, those are some thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I was just on a call with somebody before this, right before this. And the idea came up of, you know, people want to, let's say they want to get into a relationship with somebody. That means you're going to be caring for somebody, but you don't know how to take care of yourself, 
right? <laughs> Most people don't. I would say almost hardly anybody has gone out of their way. I mean, now, thanks to High Noon, honestly, not me or you, but thanks to the era in which we live and the organization that came through a bunch of us, there's like the, the space to take the time to become intimate with yourself, right? You're becoming intimate with your thoughts. What do you actually think? Do you want to think some of these things? Do you want to change some of your thinking? Becoming intimate with your feelings. Like, why do you feel these things? Do you want to feel them? Do you want to feel something else? Your spirit, all this stuff. You're, you're learning about yourself, like, and you're becoming close to yourself. Because when you're not close to somebody, it's easy to just get upset with them or let them leave your life, right? If there's no intimacy. And that's kind of what we do with ourselves. But since we can't necessarily escape ourselves, like we can't break up with ourselves, we just, we go on our phones, right? And we just zone out. And we, that's, how we, that's how we break up with ourselves. Little by little is we just try to, you know, fantasize that we're somebody else in a sense. And that's what you do through video games, through porn, through whatever. You're like these mirror receptors in your brain allow you to kind of feel what they're feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you watch a Brad Pitt movie, you feel like you're a cool guy like Brad Pitt. Like that's yeah. part of what movies provide for us. But that's what people tend to gravitate towards when they have no intimacy with themselves and they build intimacy with like, yeah, fantasy and escapism and all this stuff. And that means that you're not in a position to take care of somebody else because you can't take care of yourself. And then when you have babies, forget about it. Forget about it. Because I know, you know, there's definitely parents out there who don't know how to handle things. So they just get stressed out, yell at their kids and all this because they don't know themselves. That is intimacy is to know thyself. Is like, that's the first blessing. I think the way that we often understand it, let's just say, is perfection, this idea of perfection, individual perfection. What, like, that's such a daunting concept and I think misinterpreted and misunderstood. Let's rephrase it to mean like you're really just intimate with yourself. You know yourself. You're comfortable with yourself. You're able to get through difficult stuff because you understand where you stand in any position and you can navigate life from an individual's perspective. And then you can take care of somebody else. And then all the little creatures that come through you, <laughs> yeah. right thereafter. But that's like intimacy because then you can enjoy it because then when somebody else is stressed out, you can say, well, I'm not going to be stressed out and I'm going to help you not be stressed out. But if you don't have intimacy, then their stress becomes your stress and then just creates havoc. So that intimacy is really like, um, so yours is, uh, yours is touching and words of affirmation, you said, right? Yeah. Mine are weirdly specific lately because it's like the only thing I really care about is that people are doing what they're committed to doing. And so that doesn't necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Because I have people that tell me all sorts of stuff. They give me compliments or they criticize me. And it, it honestly like just goes right through me. Unless there's somebody who has integrity themselves, then I'll listen to them. It's almost like my love languages are disengaged unless somebody qualifies as having integrity. And then. Like people who don't have integrity, I help people who are struggling with integrity issues, right? I will love them and care for them, right? I will, it's not like I'm judging them, but it's just like, I don't, when I see them growing, then I, I feel my love is engaged for them mm -hmm. a lot more than that person, that person that keeps on lying to themselves and lying to me. I still have love for them, but it's not engaged. It's more like, I'll just, press the grace button and set it on automated on grace. I'll just give them grace. I'll try my best not to judge them and support them from afar, but I can't trust that person, right? To do what they say they're going to do because they have to build that trust. So for me, it's more like action-based. So I guess that's like uh, 
what's that one? There's like uh, acts of service, maybe it might fit into that where I have to, you have to, you know, sure. so it's kind of weirdly specific, but that means I'm realizing that. So for me, intimacy is predicated on trust and trust to me is like that you have integrity. Yeah. So I cannot like give somebody my heart and I'm going through this actually in my, my physical family. I, there's somebody that I'm very, very, very close to like relationally that I cannot let into my life at present because they've shown time and again that their words and their actions are too different. And I just is like, I've lost so much trust in them, in which case I'm not able to really allow them in my life because it like it, their actions then really impact my life. You know what I mean? So yeah, for me, it's like, that's different than yours. Yours is like, hey, I didn't need to go out and touch somebody. Oh, like, I don't off. mind. Yeah, I don't mind being touched at all. I like it. Like, especially in certain scenarios, hugging people, it's all great. But I don't crave it necessarily. What I crave is action and doing stuff and helping people and surrounding myself with people who are also doing the same. So I guess that does fall into acts of service. But again, for me, it's like if my wife isn't doing that, if she loses integrity, I can't just sit there and judge her. And that's that's what, kind of where I'm at is there's certain parts of her life where she hasn't committed to a certain amount of integrity. And so in the past, I used to just judge her because that's my main love language. And that only just made everything way worse. So now I just have to kind of be a better supporter to like be more inviting so that she could want to change that area if she wants to. And if not, I, I have to be okay I with that. You bring up a really important point when you share your love language. It's, it's basically like very, very different from what I shared. It's like you were like very specific and almost like a prophet, but mine was like... <laughs> Anybody touch me, even a cat. <laughs> You're like a teddy bear. I, I feel loved. <laughs> I'm a teddy bear. Like I'm like a dog or something. But I want to. I want to actually go into this a bit because this is important. What I've learned through just working with people, especially with my marriage, is that the love language, the five love languages, is helpful framework. Yeah. But it is actually oversimplified because yeah. there are actually something like if you do the marriage course, which is another great program, there's something like 21 different expressions of love that they identify. And it's like a subcategories of the five, like specific kinds of intimacy or touch or et cetera. I would say, honestly, when people touch me, I don't feel loved. I feel good. It's a nice feeling. I see. And that's very different. And when people say nice things to me, it feels good. I don't feel love from them. Kind of like what you're saying, right? But if somebody, how I really truly feel like I feel so loved, like those moments are when somebody I really care about and trust and respect listens to me and accepts me and gives me grace when I make a mistake or if I confess something or I feel lacking in some way and I just let myself be vulnerable and let them see me, particularly my wife, I feel them yeah. or, my, or my dad, when I feel the most vulnerable and selfish and I just kind of admit that I am that way, that I'm not perfect, and then just to have them embrace me physically, you know, embrace me emotionally with love and unconditional love. That's, that is probably my strongest love language. In terms of the love languages, I honestly kind of feel like it's a bit of an oversimplification, maybe even, I dare say, superficial expression of what love is, because it's hard to beat that, right? Like what we're talking about, those real genuine relationships that you can't really just manufacture out of nowhere, out of thin air all the time. Yeah, I guess why I bring it up and why it's useful is like if people could understand intimacy as a closeness, right? Intimacy is the closest of two hearts or more, but let's just start with two people that you, your heart feels close to somebody else. That's a great 
kind of visualization that you can picture intimacy as. Then your love language is like your fastest road to that place or your most direct road. It's like the the highway to get to that sense of intimacy with other people. But there's also intimacy with God, right? I personally right now am in a place where I feel like God is in another state and we email each other and it's a very functional relationship, but I don't necessarily feel like at times I've felt like God is like right in my pocket, like in, in me and I can feel and I'm walking with God. Like, and there's ebbs and flows to all that. Same with the, with your wife, you know, it's like intimacy takes different shapes and these love languages are kind of different expressions of that, but it's good to know, like even as a single person, when you're lacking intimacy and then how to find it in the best, most natural way. Because in the absence of that, physical touch then gets mutated, right? It becomes looking for somebody to flirt with you to touch your arm so you can feel worthy. And then you're kind of reliant on this kind of superficial way of feeling loved. But whereas a natural way would be like, hey, find, find, if you're a guy, find a brother that you can hug, somebody that also appreciates hug or who likes you enough to hug you, even though it's not their love language. And like, that's great. Or, or your parents or somebody you trust. Cause it's really good to practice with somebody with the same gender. It's really good practice. Cause things get a little muddy when it's with hups at sex, even when you're married, right? Like I have a, a woman who's a neighbor who's, she's going through a lot. And so our family's kind of taking care of her more, but she's really attractive. So if at any point in time she's feeling vulnerable, I'm like, honey, you need to go talk to her right now because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be there for that. Like that's like that's like woman to woman stuff. And I definitely don't hug her and all that, but my wife did. And I, I love that. It's not like a single thing, it's just like a man woman thing. There's like this electrical charge you gotta be careful of. It doesn't mean that I don't touch or hug women. It just means that I'm very careful what the scenario is and how it could be interpreted and all that on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And what's my intention and all that. So that's really good practice. We're but we're just talking about physical touch. But also let's talk about words of affirmation is like, how often do you post on social media hoping that some person that you you like or are attracted to says something nice about you? How many people live off of that? That's their oxygen. I know a lot of young people, that's literally their oxygen is, that's why they take provocative pictures of themselves so that they can get those compliments. Those are their words of affirmation, which is the most superficial thing. Because let's see if they would give you the same amount of affirmation if you posted an ugly picture of yourself in bad lighting right? That's how circumstantial that those compliments are. Whereas if you finding in a natural way is like hanging around really good people who want what's best for you and them saying, hey, you're a really good person or hey, you've been a really great friend to me or whatever. That's a lot deeper. I hope you guys can see the difference between those things. That's They're both words of affirmation. One is coming from a source of this person cares about you as a person. The other one's like, oh, you look attractive in this picture. You kind of, the net result feels the same in the moment, but what it produces in you is totally different over the long term. One produces insecurity and like just this need to always be perfect in the way that people view you as perfect. And the other allows you to be more of yourself, okay? And the same with physical touch. Because I know some married men too that like started to get, a little flirty with an office, a coworker or something like that. And they really had to dial it back, right? Because they're like, I crave attention and wor- like nice words and flirty, even like a touch. Like if our hands touch each other when we're both reaching for a coffee cup, that kind of stuff, you got to really be careful because that can turn into an obsession. It can, it can destroy some, somebody so seemingly so little can ruin a man or a woman, right? It could be your demise if you don't understand yourself. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, ask you about something you mentioned about intimacy with yourself. Yeah. 
before kind of being in a relationship, or even if you are in a relationship or have kids, how intimacy with yourself will impact those in positive ways. And I want to bring that up because it's something that has been coming up a lot in our groups. So Mm. can you maybe elaborate a bit on that in your experience? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best summers of my life, I don't want to date myself. I don't want to say which summer it is because it's even hard to remember, but it was like a lot longer than somebody might presume. (laughs) But it was like the best summer I was living in Vancouver. I just was surrounded by my best buddies. We were just going out all the time on our bikes and just like, just having the best time ever. Every day was perfect. And then it ended up being the worst winter of my life and everything came crashing down. And then I ended up coming back to Toronto where I was living, feeling completely defeated. Okay. And I felt like I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was really depressed. And then I just made this conscious decision to reinvent myself, right? Get to know myself. Because part of the reason why I was so depressed was because all my happiness was based on my surroundings, right? And when those surroundings changed in Vancouver, that meant it was rainy every day. And then all my friends got too busy to hang out with me. And I was just alone and depressed. So my circumstances changed. I was depressed. So I was like, I want to reinvent myself so that I can just be a happy person. I don't know how formally I express it. It was just like this desire in me. Okay. So what I did in order to create intimacy was myself was I would go so many places by myself. I would go to the movies by myself for the first time ever. I was doing comedy club. I was doing a lot of comedy back then. I'd show up at comedy clubs by myself. I would take new roads in the same city I was born so that I could feel like a new person in the old place where I, I, I would hang. I didn't really hang out with any of my old friends for the very fact that they just reminded me of a self that I wasn't, I didn't want to be anymore. So I was going to create new friends and present a new self based on who I really was, not who the default person was, right? So that, that's part of self-awareness, right? Who's validating your growth and who's, who just wants you to be the same person, right? And so that put me in a very vulnerable position. When you show up to a movie theater by yourself, if you have no intimacy with yourself or confidence or whatever, if you're not comfortable in your own shoes, you'll whip out your phone and you'll pretend like you're waiting for somebody. You know, like I have friends, you know, you just want to let everybody know, listen, I have friends. I don't have to be here alone. That was a choice, but that's all just insecurity. It means that you, you're not confident right? You're not close to yourself. When you start to feel closer to yourself, you start identifying your wants and your needs more clearly. And you just, you fulfill them in natural ways and you don't worry about it, right? So to me, it's like to find intimacy is spending time with yourself, with your thoughts, even the dark ones and figuring them out. And then eventually also talk processing it with other people, but taking that time. Most people never spend a single moment with their thoughts, They're either with other people or they're distracted on their phones, hearing information that's other people's thoughts, but they don't spend time just sitting, thinking about their own thoughts, going for a bike ride without any music or anything, sometimes with music, but sometimes without any music, just sitting under a tree. I was, I bought a rope and I made knots in it and I started climbing trees. Like I wanted to be like a Rambo, (laughs) like, but I'd go to the park by myself. I'd hang out and I would just draw and I would just read and I just kind of dating myself. I was literally falling in love with myself. And that's what it turned this dark night of the soul into that ended up being an even better spring than, than the one prior, because it was like, I was doing it all intentionally. And that actually catapulted me. That was the reason why I ended up going to Los Angeles and why my, my life started really opening up is because I, I was picking and choosing 
who I was hanging out with and what kind of thoughts I was. I was just being more intentional. And I was spending a lot of time by myself. And I think a lot of young people never do that. They go straight from school to school or they'll go traveling with other people, but they're not ever learning how to be comfortable in their own shoes. And that's intimacy. It's like, I like me. You wake up and you're like, I like me. I don't have a perfect life. I'm not perfect, but I like me. I really like me. Mm. I like my thoughts. I like my feelings. And when I don't, I'm learning how to cope with them. And that's like... That's a life skill that saved save me repeatedly. Yeah. Because you always end up coming back to that. If your life seems like it's falling apart and you haven't done that work, then there's no base. There's no like bottom that you can hit. It's just down and down and down and down and down and down. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's something that the groups, the guys in our group is are dealing with right now. We never really use the terminology intimacy with oneself because I think that just to be clear to our listeners, crazy. it sounds like <laughs> masturbation and like self-love, like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The self-help books, like the first thing they'll say is, you have to learn how to love yourself, you know, that kind of thing. You got to do you. Yeah. <laughs> Date yourself, right? I, I just want to be clear, that's not what we're talking about here. This is something way different. I think for me, and I'll kind of contextualize for the groups that we're doing right now with High Noon, is that when I first began my relationship with my spouse, you know, we were, I never learned how to really deal with my anger or negative emotions. Mm. I never learned how to do it. It was either I just ignored it, suppressed it, blew up in anger, or just escaped it by like running. Like if I was in a fight with my brother or the parent, mm-hmm. I would just run to the other room and just, you know, either go on my phone or play a game or some way to kind of numb that, the pain of b- being angry. Right. And I never learned how to deal with it. And when I brought that into my marriage, I didn't really know that I had that because it didn't affect me. Because when you're in a relationship with somebody, all this stuff comes, it magnifies. Because there's uh, so much more at stake. There's another human being who wants the same thing and we have the same goals. So when we're in the way of each other and we're constantly having these conflicts and arguments and I never learned how to just, if we're arguing or, you know, after we kind of got over the honeymoon phase, right, of our relationship and I started getting angry at her, frustrated, I never learned how to deal with that. And I would always back out, leave the room. I would just leave. And it was really detrimental, honestly, so detrimental to our relationship because she's the kind of person that just wants to talk about it, which is typical, more typical for women, generally speaking, is to talk about it in a more constructive way. And it's like, let me know how you're feeling instead of acting out in anger or I would punch something or there's a few, there are a few holes in our wall. <laughs> I'm not a violent person towards anybody. I'm just sometimes get, I uh, get frustrated just, anger, but I, you just hate walls. Yeah. <laughs> but that's something that I dealt with for a number of years is not knowing how to own my anger and kind of uh, to manifest it in a healthy way. It's like, how do you deal with these negative emotions in a healthy way that is not detrimental to anybody or to any relationship or detrimental, especially to that intimacy and connection that we're trying to create from the, from the beginning? It's extremely, de- especially anger or whatever negative emotions. It could be anger. It could be depression. It could be boredom. It could be anxiety. It could be just disappointment in yourself or in other people. So that was really the turning point is because I, I started using porn as a escape from emotions, right? Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, like going in your phone is an escape from reality. It's an escape from these emotions that we're feeling and we don't know how to digest. And porn is an instant, like instantly from zero to a hundred miles an hour, like instantly takes you out of that emotion into a different realm instantly, yeah. almost instantly. It's crazy. And the same with drugs, same with uh, excessive video game use, right? And of course, people are like, oh, what's wrong with video games? It's fine. Well, if video games is an escape from life, then yeah, it's a problem. It yeah. doesn't matter 
you know, if something is an addiction or it's a bad habit, we try to label things like I'm not addicted. If it's affecting your, your emotional state, if it's affecting your relationship, if you can't, like you're talking about, Andrew, like just internalize, have introspection and journal about these things, then that is a problem. It doesn't matter if it's an addiction or not. Like in our groups, this is interesting because this round of groups that we just started a few weeks ago, this is a big conversation because I keep bringing this up with them. It's like, if you want to have integrity in your sexual relationship in, in your self, if you want to have integrity with yourself and with your intimacy with yourself, then you have to work on this area of stop escaping, stop escaping yeah. boredom, stop escaping from school to, to work, to phone and just yeah, yeah. have introspection and just deal with it <laughs> and know what is triggering you, know what emotions lead you down certain rabbit holes and certain experiences. And if you can master that, then you can master pornography then it'll just be an obvious decision when those difficult times come. So this is like every, almost every guy in our, in our group right now is, and this is not a guy thing uniquely, this is a man, woman, it doesn't matter your age or whatever, is we're trying to get them to basically journal every day, have some kind of journaling system or introspection, whether it's prayer or journaling or talking with someone ideally, communicating with a human being, especially mm -hmm. for people who are preparing for marriage. That's very, very powerful skill set to know. To have that self-reflection and self-awareness so that you just know like, okay, this is, I'm experiencing anger and this is what I had to learn and still, still learning, <laughs> you know, is if I'm feeling frustrated, angry, I know it, I know how to talk to my wife or somebody about it, or at least to pray about it, talk to God about it and recognize that it's an emotion and deal with it in a productive way. Yeah. Well, one crazy thing about the dopamine receptors and how this works and I used to give this early, early, I just, it's crazy. I used to include it in the talks when I was first giving the talks and then somehow I phased it out unconsciously. Very important fact is that the more that you have one thing that's a super stimulus in your life, so porn is the biggest, the most super of all super stimulus, it, you get flooded with dopamine, then actually it makes it so that things are more black and white and that it's just fewer and fewer things are able to even give you any pleasure at all because you've doubled down on this one investment that that's where your cash crop of joy and pleasure comes from is from this one place. And it mutes the ability of life in general. It kind of makes everything else gray. Like life seems gray without this thing because that's where you invest all your pleasure and hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. So when you start removing that, it starts to color and texture life a lot more. Life starts to get, you find more joy in reading again. You find more joy in simple conversations and looking at nature and being out in nature because you're more in a state that's kind of stable instead of being agitated. When you're heavily habituated or addicted to something, you're just kind of agitated when you're not around that thing, right? Drug addicts are like that. They go crazy if they don't get the drugs. But same with when you're, yeah, you, that word addiction is a, is a loaded one. But like when you're so familiar with something, then anything else makes you uncomfortable. And that's crazy too. So part of the process too is then slowly unplugging this power that porn has over you or this escapism and start refamiliarizing yourself with life around you and with the people and the things that make up your life and you'll enjoy it more. It's like an actual chemical response, but it's also just this spiritual thing that your spirit is so out of order that you can't even function in a normal way when you don't live in this reality. Because your spirit's like in a coma or it's just like freaking out or whatever. You're just like, you're not there. 
But the more that you kind of ground yourself and date yourself and familiarize yourself and feed yourself natural good foods, like good conversations, journaling, getting to know yourself, then life actually becomes more enjoyable. It's like this cascade effect. The more you invest in your life, the more your life, that's principled, right? The more you love something, the more beautiful it becomes. Well, I've never heard that apply to ourselves. The more you love yourself, the more beautiful you become and your life becomes. The more you love your life, the more beautiful it becomes. And it's like everything, the more you love, the more beautiful it becomes, right? And the more you avoid it, the more it just becomes annoying and frustrating and the more you want to avoid it. That's the rub. That was a weird almost pun. (laughs) Sammy would have got that. He would have been focusing on that for the next 10 minutes. (laughs) That one's for you, Sammy. That one's for you. Yeah, it sounds like kids, right? It's like you really love your kids because you invest so much in them. Or like you said, you don't really love them because you try to avoid them at all costs. Mm-hmm. Send a daycare and spend as little so, time as possible. With them. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that because yesterday I was talking to somebody else and we were talking about how children are the greatest thermometer for how able you are to be fully present. Present, being present in the moment is the function of a lot of work, right? So it's not easy. You got to really train your mind to be present, train your spirit to be present, all this, which you cannot do when you have an addiction because all you can think about is the, the next time you get that hit, right? But to be present with your kid, like when they're loud and struggling and crying, you can be present to that. It doesn't mean you like the screaming sounds, but you can deal with it. When you're not present with them, they become so annoying. All of their wants, I want this. Why are you whining? You just get short with them because you're not present to what they actually are communicating. And that takes presence and presence takes effort that you don't, you simply cannot do if you're, if you're in that kind of addiction cycle. So yeah, intimacy requires presence and that requires you to kind of be acquainted with yourself and the things that are in your life, right? doesn't mean to be happy all the time, but it just means to be like, oh, this is a complicated thing. Let's deal with this issue instead of freaking out. doesn't mean walking on clouds, but it just means everybody's going to run into issues, but it's like how you deal with them is like depends on how present you are in any given moment. And if your habit is to escape, your life is going to be chaotic and very complicated and frustrating and annoying. You're going to be annoyed by yourself. That'd be terrible. And when you're in that state, that happened to me, I think last week, I had a half day to almost a full day where I was just in a bad state. I was so annoying to myself and everything that I was saying was annoying. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a great place to be. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. We're talking about intimacy, but obviously it's a deeper issue than we even thought because we got we went took this in a few different directions. But please, it, you know, at the end of the day, learn yourself, learn what your needs are, what your wants are, and learn how to find those in natural, healthy ways that are sustainable for you, for the world, for your ideals, right? And don't rush into things based on compulsion. That's that's like the worst way to live, right? Intimacy is both a short game and a long game. And when you learn about yourself, you can find quick hits of healthy intimacy, but also you'll learn a lot more about what intimacy truly is, which is like a lifelong pursuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you, Benji, for having this talk. You have any any last words? No, that's it. Well, we'll see you around, kids. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also, you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. 
We are better together. And sexual integrity involves other people. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there.